0: You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. I'm your host, Judy Rodman. Join me for game-changing vocal lessons and advice from creatives and voice industry insiders who share the secrets they've found for personal and career success. My interview guest today is Angela McEwiston, founder of Music Strong, a company that specializes in fitness training and rehabilitation of musicians with injuries. Join us and be inspired to make your messages matter. My guest today is Angela McEwiston, and she is a real wonder woman, (laughs) as you'll find out. She's a National Academy of Sports Medicine, or NASM, certified personal trainer a corrective exercise specialist, senior fitness specialist, and cancer exercise specialist. She's the founder and owner of Music Strong, a business that specializes in personal fitness training for musicians. I wanted to chat with her today because our voices are musical instruments kind of connected to our bodies. And a lot of us, of course, play other instruments as well, sometimes at the same time that we sing. She knows things that can help us become stronger, Healthier and more balanced. So let me tell you a little bit more about where her expertise comes from. Winner of the 2007 NFA Piccolo Masterclass, Angela received her Masters of Music in Flute Performance from Florida State University with her bachelor's degree from Tennessee Technological University. She's an assistant principal piccolo of Sinophonia Gulf Coast of Destin, Nashville Philharmonic, Columbus Symphony, and Nashville Flute Choir. Joining the military soon after 9-11, her performance credits include, of course, Army bands, and she also helps them not get injured from their playing. In addition to her solo performances, she's performed with such celebrities as Kristen Chenoweth, Pink Martini, Jamie Bernstein, Morgan James, Chris Mann, Nancy Griffith, and Mary Wilson of the Supremes. Angela is also a teacher. She's on the faculty of Stetson University Flute Camp. She's chair of the National Flute Association Performance Health Committee and is adjunct flute professor at Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee. Angela has several physical training locations in Nashville and gives her workshops and presentations far and wide. In February 19th, she published her first book, The Musician's Essential Exercises, with plans to branch out into instrument-specific volumes in the near future. During the pandemic of 2020, she recorded over 20 instrument-specific workouts, which are available for download. When she's not performing or training, Angela can be found riding her Trek road bike as many hours as there are sunshine. So, let's talk to the Wonder Woman herself. Welcome to All Things Vocal, Angela.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Judy. <laughs> was that all right?
0: Did I get that pretty it was much enough? Right? <laughs> good, good enough. <laughs> okay. At least I didn't, you know, say you were a, like a piano player. You're you're a flute player. I'm a flute player. Okay, so you're not only a physical exercise therapist who specializes in working with musicians. As an experienced musician yourself, you have firsthand knowledge of their issues. So talk about how playing Piccolo, being a physical trainer and a teacher led you to create your company Music Strong.
1: Sure. So um it all started when I was 16. I had my first playing related injury. I, I went to interlock and arts camp. I know a lot of your listeners probably are familiar with that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the thing was you're not physically prepared for that kind of playing volume increase. I was 16. I mean, I was playing what, maybe an hour or two a day. And I went from doing that to playing eight hours a day for eight weeks solid. And that there is, there was no physical preparation whatsoever. You were just expected to play. And then you had to practice and you had to, you know, I developed tendinitis in my left wrist so much so that holding a pencil was absolute agony. Oh man. Unbelievable. Um, So I had my first encounter with a doctor who said that I needed to quit playing. (laughs) There's a remedy. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's not an answer. So he said, well, you know, I'll send you to physical therapy and if that doesn't help, we'll give you a shot of cortisone. And I was like, not okay with that. So I did physical therapy and it helped, And I moved on. Um, I had my second playing related injury when I was at Florida state, I was in the gym and it wasn't necessarily the exercise. The fact that I was exercising was not necessarily the problem. What happened is, I ended up with a muscle imbalance between the front of my body and the chest and in my back because of how you hold the instrument. My left arm is in the front. Right. So it's never the opposite way. You don't play guitar the opposite direction either. You get the one direction. right? right? You know, when you've been playing this instrument for 15 years at that point and you'd never done anything, uh, about that. I was doing a, a dumbbell chest press and I didn't know what good form was. I had no idea what I was doing. I just saw the motion in a magazine and said, it's chest day. I'm just doing chest stuff. And I ended up tearing a muscle in my back. <sighs> so it sounds worse than it is. It's just a muscle strain, but the uh, the muscle is called your rhomboid. It's between your shoulder blades. A lot of musicians mm-hmm. get pain. Oh, that hurts here. to think about. It. Yeah. It really was not fun. And the, the doctor on campus told me to quit playing. <laughs> Sir, I'm uh I'm in school for flute performance. That is not an option. <laughs> yeah, not even, I mean, and he just looked at me like, I don't know, like here's a here's a prescription for some muscle relaxers and they will get a massage. Like, seriously? Yeah. Mention whatsoever So I've had two more playing related injuries. Um, but the third one it again stemmed from this this muscle imbalance that I have. And I was cramming for an audition on piccolo I had graduated and I I saw this opening come up for the president's own, and I'm a piccolo player, but I didn't know any of the orchestral literature. So I went, oh, I've got to learn all this. So I went from playing no hours a day to four hours a day. Piccolo is really small, right? There's not a lot of real estate on this instrument. And um, when you're, you know, when you get really into things, you have a tendency to forget the rest of your body. And I was just, you know, crammed forward on this little, everything was tense and tight. And it got to the point where I couldn't breathe. I couldn't straighten out my right arm. I'm getting spasms in my back. And I go see this doctor. And uh, guess what he said? <laughs> he just, you should stop he, playing. You just need to quit playing. It's like, <laughs> you are fired. <laughs> I am not okay with this answer. I have an audition next week, bro. Like, no, you know. And he, well, at least this guy explained to me what was going on. He, he said, well, what's going on? is that you have a muscle imbalance between your chest and your back. And it's honestly, what's going on is you have like a muscle knot in your chest muscle that's pulling on your back, which is why it's spazzing so much. And ordinarily, because that knot is so big and it's causing so much problem, I would give you a shot of cortisone there to get cure-all, right, right in the middle of that knot to get it to calm down. The problem is that knot's right over your heart and it would probably kill you. Probably kill you? probably kill me. And I was like, well, okay. So this is also not an option. <laughs> he is, ah, you know, I'll give you this cream. You can try it. You should probably just quit playing. He didn't give me stretches. He didn't nothing. I was like, fine. I'll take your cream. You're fired. And I am <laughs> so tired of getting this common response. And I started digging into things, looking around, going, there has got to be another way. There's, there's gotta be some resources for musicians. And there weren't. And I thought, well, fine, I will be a resource because there hasn't been any. And no. I started digging around and I found out up to 90% of musicians are going to experience playing related pain or injury during the course of their careers. At some point, 90% is all of us basically. And if it's not you, you're the one out of 10. Mm-hmm. But what I did when I found out when I was doing this research was also that, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff out there about stretches there's very little about strengthening well if you only stretch what's tight and you never strengthen what's weak the cycle of dysfunction yeah yeah so that's how i got into i got into this because there was no resource no one was talking about the opposite side of the coin and i'd always loved being strong and lifting weights and the strength part of it Mm -hmm. so i i started looking around and i found the national academy of sports medicine and they really focus on muscle imbalances and i thought (gasps) oh (laughs) <laughs> light bulb <laughs> went off. Music Strong was born. I mean, you know, musicians need this. Somebody's got to do it. I'm going to be that person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My husband uh, was a session musician, a great session musician until he had a rotator cuff injury so bad that it's inoperable. And he had to, the drums are with our son now. <laughs> and <sighs> it's so sad because he was so good. He had it before, but you know, nobody knew do anything, what right? to do. What do you do? but he can play golf now, thank God. He just, he can't, uh, he can't play drums. Also, I know what you mean about doctors not realizing what they're saying. When I was in the hospital three months and lost my voice from an endotracheal tube that was down for a long time, you know, afterwards I'd lost an octave and a half of my range. And I asked the doctor, you know, what, (laughs) why can I still not sing? And this had been, oh, maybe Three months after I finally started healing and I got you know, I had been home from the hospital. And Chris's answer was, Well, it's probably scar tissue. And, you know, we saved your life. But the thing what? is, if you're a professional singer, that's not much of a life. At least you don't think it is at the time. Oh my god. You know, you have to find your own way. And that's that's why I'm a voice teacher because I I know what it, feels like, and I know what it takes. And I had help along the way, just like you and in, in instruction from all kinds of sources. And so now I'm, I'm a vocal coach and I love working with damaged or strained voices, but I love talking to other people who are like me on a constant learning curve. And you are a maverick. You are uh, someone who melds ideas, not only from your extensive performance and personal training Uh, expertise uh, in studies, but also your studies of Alexander Technique, which I use, Barbara Connable's body mapping and Eva Amsler's dynamic integration and other stuff. Talk to us about how you integrated those different sort of uh, protocols with what works successfully for you and, and your client.
1: Sure. So one of the things that I tend to notice is that musicians tend to We we tend to not realize we have the rest of our bodies when we're playing. We're so into what we do, we forget about the rest of ourselves. You know, I mean, like when I'm playing flute, am I paying attention to my knees or my toes or the inside of my left elbow or underneath my right earlobe or you know, we we just we we don't pay attention, right? So body mapping, um, body mapping, Alexander, dynamic integration stems from Feldenkrais, the Feldenkrais Sure. And all of this increases your body awareness. Not just, you know, and part of it is also increasing the awareness of how you move. And that that directly relates to having good form, whether you're in the gym, whether you're, whatever you're doing. But I mean, if you're going to pick up a weight, you want to be able to pick up that weight safely. And if you don't have any body awareness, you, you don't know how to do that. I mean, <laughs> what's funny is I have so many clients who have no clue where their knees are, where their hips are, where to bend. When I say hinge from the hips, they just look at me like, I have lobsters growing out of my. Ears. What does that mean? And I, you know, I tell them to, you know, okay, so you need to move from your hip joint, and they move from their back, or they okay, stick your butt back, and they lock their knees. Just zero body awareness, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and what's funny is, you know, the older you get,
0: I know all of us listening are going, oh, you mean you don't? <laughs> what?
1: What is that? Right. And the older you get, the more these habits are ingrained, and you you just lose that. So
0: the, that's so important about form uh and about have somebody help you uh, do whatever you're doing correctly. There was a client that I worked with who was a big star and he lost his voice and we kind of zeroed it back, you know, looking back at at where it started and it was lifting weights before a show incorrectly and he strained his neck muscles. And then when he did that, you know, he couldn't move, he wasn't flexible here, which, uh, you know, really messes with the voice in lots of ways. And so he went out and had to really, you know, press too hard on his vocal cords and, and strained them. And then of course, what do you do? You try even harder and then you're really in trouble. And he stopped singing for four years and lost the momentum of his career. You know, he did, he did get back, but the issue was the free weights done wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love free weights. I think they're amazing, but you have no body awareness right over there. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, if, if you don't know how your body moves, if you don't understand how it's supposed to function, you're going to do something incorrect just because you don't know. I mean, you're just ignorant of it. It doesn't make the weights bad. Right. It's just that you moved incorrectly. And so um, having a background in Alexander and, and um, all those other things, especially body mapping was really helpful. Like, you know, understanding how the body works, how it's supposed to move instead of like an incorrect map, if I ask you, where's the first joint of your arm? Where do you think it is?
0: Of your arm? Of your arm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, my wrist.
1: Uh, opposite direction. Oh. Closer to the bottom. Oh, my shoulder. Close. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's actually right here. Ah. In your collarbone, where your collarbone touches your sternum. So if you put your hand there and you move your arm, you'll feel your arm move from that very first joint of your collarbone. Oh, my gosh. So now you under, now you have a better body map so now you can use that arm differently.
0: And you know what that that goes right into the voice because the sternocleidomastoid, you know, is kind of connected right in there. Yeah. And if there's if there's tension there, uh mm-hmm. there's tension all up in here and it freezes or it Tenses the larynx from the outside and interferes with the free process of, of singing. So yeah, absolutely. I may have to study some more about this. It's <laughs> a great, it's a great idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, I got all, I got all that from body mapping,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and you know, it, it promotes ease of motion, kind of um, along the lines of Alexander, which is you know, not that tension is bad. You have to have tension. Right.
0: Right. You can't just relax and do the things that we do.
1: No. Right. No. But having excess tension can be detrimental. Right. So understanding, again, how the body works. Where do you move? You move your hip joint, not your low back. You you know, in fact, one of my favorite things from Alexander is where they teach you how to sit and stand up with no tension by putting your hand on your neck and then leaning forward and noticing if your neck tenses up when you stand because it shouldn't. Huh. Alexander will teach you how to how to not do that. So I do that with my clients. And that translates perfectly into how to do a squat. Oh sure. Yeah. Or to do a deadlift. Right.
0: Yeah. And without that, you're liable to run into trouble. Yeah. Not even realizing.
1: Oh. Yeah. And it's not that your neck doesn't have tension. It's part of your core. But if you're using too much, yeah. you're not using the other muscles the way that they're supposed to be. So I mean mm. it really all works really well together. And you don't have to be a musician to know that. Yeah. <laughs> to benefit from that. <laughs> Ah,
0: okay. Well, many of our listeners not only sing, but play instruments, especially piano and guitar. Mm-hmm. What are some typical issues that targeted exercises can help them with?
1: Well, let's go with guitar first. I've, I'm here in Nashville and I see a lot of guitarists. Yeah, and the strap. Yes. It yeah. is, Uh, it's not an ergonomically friendly instrument. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, I see a whole lot of wrist things and elbow things and and neck and shoulder, especially mm-hmm. low back. All I'm that. thinking
0: of a couple of my clients, I hope, are listening right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about how you play guitar, this is an easier one to think of than, than piano. But if you think about how you play guitar, so say you're right handed, your right arm is going to go in front and your left is going to go out to the side and it's going to be externally rotated. This is going to be internally rotated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. On the one hand, you've got a muscle imbalance. It's not that the imbalance is bad, but if it gets to be exacerbated, it can be bad, Mm -hmm. right? So it can lead into problems. So some of the things that I have people do are things like banded external rotations Mm -hmm. um, and then banded internal rotations on both sides. Because we not only want to mitigate the risk of having an overuse injury, but we do need to make those muscles strong enough and increase their endurance so you can continue to play without that imbalance becoming improper, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we'll do internal and external rotations for both. I have one bass player that I've, I'm working with right now. Bass is similar to guitar, mm-hmm. sort of. And we're working a lot on his serratus anterior right underneath, which, you know, if if you're thinking about how you're playing and your uh, your right arm can tend to come forward, mm-hmm. some people hunch over their Guitars. Oh, to have the bass low slung
0: or the electric guitar low slung. Oh yeah, it's a nightmare. For yeah, them.
1: yeah. So one of the things that he likes the most, and he just latched onto this, we have to do it every workout now. Is that I I don't even know what you call it. I'm gonna call it a 90 degree kettlebell farmer's walk. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. You put your arm out at 90 degrees in front of you, right? You pull your shoulder down and then you press up, and that is going to activate that. And then you hold this kettlebell in your hand, and I tell him to go for a walk because. When you walk, it creates instability, which causes stability to ah, be achieved in the shoulders, yeah. and it gets your serratus anterior working better. So oh, wow. that's that's like one of them. Another one, like for um, pianists, uh, or if you're sitting at a piano and playing, I see this a lot: is forward head posture. Yeah. so your head coming forward, right? creates excess kyphosis in your upper back. So you get that hunch that nobody likes. Especially if you're a singer. Yeah. When pianists are
0: taught, I've got a a concert pianist who, you know, they're taught to use their chest to press into the keyboard, Mm. you know? Mm. Uh, That's smooch de mort or French for a kiss of death for the voice because you are getting it all tense in here. So I have to teach them to move their knees into the piano or keyboard where their head's balanced over their tailbone or mm-hmm. pull the mic in this way
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that way their neck and shoulders and yeah, their heads back and, and their shoulders aren't carrying the bowling ball weight of a head. Right. Let's address the elephant in the room. Why are we talking about musicians and exercise? Does, uh, why does the little, the little vocal cords need physical exercise for the rest of us? Give us some reasons. All
1: right. <laughs> body is your first instrument. Yeah. And if your body doesn't Thank work you. well, Nothing else is going to work well. Yours just happens to be internal, (laughs) right? I mean, when I think of um, instrumentalists, it's easier to forget that because they're so focused on what's in their hands. Not exactly the same. (laughs) Kind of 24-7 here, yeah. Yeah, it's it's right there. (laughs) But if you don't have that awareness again of your entire body and the rest of your body is not functioning as well as it could be, your voice can be impacted. One vocalist I worked with, she had, when we first started, she had a horrible forward head posture. She had no core strength. Um, her glutes were not firing well, all of that stuff. So what we did is we strengthened her core. We strengthened, ev- I mean, your, your core is everything but your arm, your appendages. So that does include your neck. And if you have overall strength and balance, both externally, so like thinking, well, this is not externally and internally, but you know, your, your deep core muscles, like the, the transverse abdominus, and then your glutes and stuff like that. But you also have, you know, the pelvic floor and the, and the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And if any of that has a weakness, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you really want to have strength all the way around. So your neck can be free. So your head can go up, and, you know, everything can be as free as possible. You can't be as free as possible. If you've got a weak link, mm-hmm. right? So you want to have that strong base so the rest of you is free to move.
0: I always say the voice wants access to movement. Mm. Anything that impedes movement, free movement of the larynx and the diaphragm mm-hmm. it spells vocal trouble or a vocal limitation of some kind. So yeah, this carrier of the voice that we know as the body, you know, is <laughs> kind of important. Yeah. Okay, so you joined uh, the military and were in the 129th Army Band. And now you work with the old Guard Army Fife and Drum Corps to help them avoid injury. Like I told you earlier, my husband was a drummer and had that rotator cuff injury. And I think a rotator cuff injury, I bet you see a lot of that. What can you do with physical exercise to help prevent, you know, the permanent tear that's inoperable and really spells the end of a career?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, just as a quick note, I was in the 100, the 129th. That was the National Guard Band. And after 16 years, I transferred to the Army Reserve. So now I'm in the 313th Army Band. Ah, so gotcha. Okay. so Yeah. And I'll, it'll actually be 20 years for me next <laughs> Yeah, that's a long time. I, I can't believe it's already been 20 years. <laughs> but um, the Fife and Drum Corps. So I mean, I just got back from a one-week residency with them a couple weeks ago. And boy, do I see some, <laughs> some shoulder issues with them. But they have a really, really, really interesting job. And it's uh, you know, you'll appreciate this. They stand at attention a lot. And when you're standing at attention, you're, you, I mean, your whole posture is very different and the body is made to move and the attention is not moving. So to segue into shoulder issues with rotator cuff stuff, ask that question one more time. Okay. <laughs> you,
0: okay. you got it. Yeah. What physical exercise can address or prevent rotator cuff injuries mm-hmm. that can spell the end of a career if they go long enough?
1: Got it. Okay. So speaking about the rotator cuff, specifically, one is to figure out, I mean, have a trainer give you a movement assessment. I give every single one of my clients a movement assessment. So we're Mm -hmm. going to find out which muscles are overactive, which ones are underactive, what is causing you issue. So if you've got a shoulder issue, I'm going to have you do a rotational thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to go up and down. We're going to find out how well do you move. And if you're a hypermobile person, that can be camouflaged because you tend to move too much. So sometimes you need stability. Sometimes you need endurance. Sometimes you need strength. And sometimes you need to get certain muscles to calm down. For a lot of us, our chest muscles are overactive chest and the front Mm -hmm. of the shoulder, the anterior delt, maybe even the scalenes, stuff like that. So getting all those muscles to calm down. Yeah. The pectorals, Mm -hmm. getting them to calm down. So doing, um, using a lacrosse ball in this area, follow that with a chest stretch and then you want to strengthen what's on the opposite side, which would be um, like the rhomboids and then getting into the smaller muscles of the rotator cuff. So it really kind of depends on the person, the issue at stake. But when it comes to stuff like this, that's where the corrective exercise specialization comes in really handy because it's all about corrective exercise is, can be very similar to physical therapy. It's not the same, but it can be very similar. Or similar that. So some of the things I do, the external internal rotation some of them, I don't even know if they have names. You, you put your arm up at 90 degrees and you rotate it up like a goalpost with, you know, with a band. Mm-hmm. I'll have people do, if you hold a weight above your head, a weighted carry, you sink your shoulder blade down and you, you hold it with that elbow locked out because the minute you bend your elbow, now your arm's doing the work Well, you let your shoulder do the work. Uh-huh. So things like, you know, doing, doing weighted walks like that, doing upside down kettlebell presses, which is really tough on the shoulder to like be stable. It's, you don't have to be very heavy with that. It's just difficult to hold it and not and not mm-hmm. get the thing to go everywhere. <laughs> so I do a lot of those. I do a lot of like no money drills, band pull aparts. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. And if you don't have any equipment, I mean, a lot of it's just band work, but if you don't have any equipment, you can still do things like isometrics against the wall mm-hmm. or in your car, stuff like that. But the thing is on the road. Yeah. Yeah. But you can re- bring those
0: bands they are very easy to bring on the road,
1: <laughs> but it's, Handles or therabands or or whatnot. I mean a TRX or a tension trainer folds up into a bag super easy and you can do all kinds of stuff with that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that the military focuses on bodyweight exercises.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: They're, they're darn effective.
0: Yeah, my son was in the Navy and and uh yeah, it's pretty amazing how he changed from this little no muscle at all to uh to this finely chiseled human being that I didn't recognize.
1: Yeah, and it was all bodyweight <laughs> exercises mm-hmm. and swimming and such. So What's key with all of those types of exercises is that you want to get into a habit of doing them before you play, or at least getting consistent and doing them consistently Mm -hmm. day in and day out. You don't have to do a million of them and you don't have to do them till absolute failure, but getting into that habit will prevent some of that overuse because we want to increase the endurance of those muscles.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not just about the muscle imbalance. They have to have the endurance to do what you're asking them to do. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really key as well.
0: You know, that goes along with the voice itself in the different registers, in chest register and head register, which are the main two physical registers of the voice. Most popular genre, non-classical singers overwork the chest muscles and most classical okay. singers overwork the head mu- muscles. So mm-hmm. what I like to do is like to work with whichever one they use the least mm-hmm. and exactly what what you're talking about to balance the strength in both. Then they can blend. And it's yeah. like they have one register. So it's a muscle. <laughs> they're, they're muscles.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's something I like to say. I mean, it's, it's, do what you suck at. Are you bad at something? Maybe that's where you should put your attention <laughs> instead of avoiding it. That's exactly where you need to work.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Thing that's not fun. Yeah. And that's definitely. scary. Uh, but yeah. it's nice to have a guide along the way like you. You also specialize in working with seniors, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a producer, a friend of mine who... Uh, was working with a personal trainer and totally messed his shoulder up. He had to have surgery. Oh my gosh. People that work with seniors need to understand that seniors' bodies are different. And so those of us that are a little more veteran, how can we avoid harm when doing physical exercises in general? And what should we look for in choosing a personal trainer?
1: (laughs) That's an excellent, excellent question. Because just like doctors, just like chiropractors, just like massage therapists, there's good ones and bad ones. You know, you, you hear these horror stories of trainers just like this. Well, we're not all bad, I promise. <laughs> so, you know, look for somebody who has done some continuing education. Look for somebody who is not playing on their phone while they're training people. So, it's not just about movement, it's about quality of movement. They need to have the heart of a teacher where they can explain things to you in a way that you will understand them. They, they are going to increase your body awareness for our more experienced listener. Uh,
0: yeah,
2: I like that. that's
1: where the body awareness comes yeah. in. I mean, there is a lady that I trained, she was, I think she was 80 years old. And she had not, so to speak, she had not gotten in and out of a chair properly in 50 years. And she was so frustrated. <laughs> that, I'm not kidding, you know, so she's trying to get up and just having to push herself to get, I'm like, you don't have to do that. We, we, you know, we increased the strength of her legs and her core and everything, but a lot of it was Alexander stuff, just teaching her where her hip joint was, you know, you have to stick your butt out to sit down properly. And that's not ladylike, I understand, (laughs) but, but, you know, it's getting over that and understanding it's, you know, you don't want to sit with your knees together. this is not how the body's supposed Mm -hmm. to move. So, so finding somebody who, um that you have a good rapport with is actually really important. They can have all the Mm -hmm. alphabet soup after their name, but if you don't, if you don't get along with each other, it's not going to be a good fit. Yeah. But when it comes to, to seniors um, and exercise recommendations, that's a loaded topic, but you know, as we get older, arthritis is going to affect just about
2: everybody. Mm -hmm.
1: So having a trainer that understands um, proper load, so they're not going to overload you very quickly, Osteoporosis mm-hmm. is another one. So, you know, there's certain contraindications. Like I don't have my clients who have osteoporosis. We do not do a lot of foam rolling. We do not do a lot of things like that where it could put pressure on joints or bones, but we do need to do weight bearing activities Yeah. Have to know how yeah. to gradually progress, progress those. And it's, you're not going to give somebody 20 reps of a loaded exercise, maybe eight to 10 to start. Then you're going to increase. So you have to be aware of how the joints move. Or how they're Mm -hmm. not moving and why. You just can't force them to do that as you get older. Certain people move differently as they age, you know. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there's a a lot to it, but those are two big ones. Well, let me ask you something specific Mm -hmm.
0: because out of curiosity, I love my little mini trampoline. It makes me feel good. It gives me energy. But if after I do it for too many days in a row... I'll need to go to the chiropractor and get the old uh, back stretched out again. Oh. <laughs> is it kind of, what's your feeling about a mini tramp?
1: Um, from what I understand, they're great. They're excellent for cardiovascular health. Um, there's been a lot of benefits shown on those. As long as your body tolerates it well, I say go for it. I mean, something else to note is um, vibration helps build bones. So doing kind of Ooh. biometric exercises like that is bone building.
0: We should go to more rock concerts. yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, you can do that instead of standing on a vibe plate.
0: Okay. So people can find examples of your training and incredibly, I must say, useful exercises. You're just not getting up to the mark and going, and now pay me and, and I'll tell you the whole thing. Your exercises are incredibly generous on YouTube. So everybody, I will put a link to her YouTube channel and you really want to scope that out. But when and why might it be wise to get an expert like you to design a personalized workout program instead of just, you know, doing what you have on YouTube?
1: Sure. So understanding what's appropriate for you. And if you just, you feel lost, you don't want another thing on your plate. You want someone to the else to do the thinking for you and know that you're <laughs> going to get a program that is, that is tailored to you specifically because everybody's body moves differently. And so some of these exercises they may or may not be appropriate for everybody. So Mm -hmm. uh, that, I mean, that's one thing. If you just would rat, like, I want to exercise. I don't know what to do here. You figure it out. (laughs) That's, that's, but the (laughs) the other thing, if you happen to have uh, an issue that you really want help with and you're like, well, who do I go see? Who's going to understand me as a musician? I do. I get you. I might not have all the answers, but I understand your life is not a hobby. Mm
2: -hmm
1: not just something you can quit
0: you're not going to tell them you just stop stop
1: (laughs) yeah so you know if you want somebody who understands the life of a musician and what you're going through what you know what all is entailing in a a rehearsal and what that demands Mm -hmm. of you and to give you a workout that's going to help you with those musical goals instead of uh deleting from that so anybody who's looking for something like that i'd be happy to help as well
0: what does a person get when they join your training program, Music Strong?
1: Well, it really depends. If you're doing personal training with me, it's exactly what you think. So it's one-on-one mm-hmm. sessions. Um, but I also have, like I said, the instrument-specific workouts, which I don't have a vocal one. I'm sorry to say. that's I, I don't have vocal. I don't have accordion. And I don't have steel. Guitar
0: that's all right. Yet. I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can be like any part of accordion. Though. <laughs> Those are the three I don't have yet.
0: It takes a team to be a musician, I swear.
1: It absolutely does. And actually, I'm glad that you said that because I'm transitioning from just being a personal trainer to opening a musician's wellness center here in Nashville.
2: Oh, awesome. Because it
1: does take a team approach. And what I do is not going to be appropriate or needful for everybody. But mm-hmm. maybe you do need chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, and mm-hmm. Maybe you do need a physical therapist and a cryo tank and me. I mean, I don't know. So everybody's a little a little different. So- That is going to be, uh, hopefully in the next year, that's going to be opening. And that's what you would get when you come to the Music Strong Wellness Center. Currently here, I've got several different programs that you can sign up for. Um, One is called the COVID Comeback, which is... Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Catchy, right? Oh, I can see the need for that. Yeah. So it takes you from a deconditioned state because, you know, we took so much time off during the pandemic. and
0: And if you got sick, you took some extra time. Yes.
1: And then so many of us went right back to that crazy schedule we had, but remember that first injury I had zero to Mm -hmm. a million. Well, it's the same thing. And if you didn't prepare your body for the demands of going back to recording and touring and singing and playing, you're just an injury waiting to happen. So that's a six week or a three month done for you training program that has everything in an app. And you log in, you see your exercises, you do the things It's got corrective exercises. It's got shoulder stability. It's got wrist stuff core strength, and it leads you through three months of musician-specific exercises and training. So you don't have to wonder what to do. So that's another program. Oh,
2: that's great.
0: Okay. So what's a Trek bike and why do you ride it?
1: Trek is a cycling brand and that's the first bike I ever had. The funny story is last week, I finally bought a new bike. So I'm upgrading to full carbon. (laughs) I'm going to be flying up the hills. So... (laughs) Length. There's
0: something about biking. My son was a competitive cyclist for a while. And uh, then he had an injury, broke his collarbone. And that's kind of stopped that career. I would not tracks. want to
1: race. That's, <laughs> it's, it takes a certain person. And...
0: Yeah. Not if you're a musician, you want all your limbs working just fine. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay. So how can someone reach you? for all this stuff, for personal training, consultation, and the services and programs that you provide. Where do they go?
1: Oh, very easy to find me. You can go to my website at musicstrong.com. I am on all the socials doing all the things from TikTok and LinkedIn to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. So if you go to my website, uh, my phone number is up there. You can send me an email. You can drop me a DM on any of the socials. Um, You can sign up for my email list and I'll send you my top five five exercises for musicians right away. Um, Any of those.
0: Well, you are so incredibly generous. And I say that having watched you for a while and looking at the exercises that you send, and I'm definitely signed up for your email. (laughs) So I get get those exercises all the time. So guys, do check her out and I promise you it'll be worth it to you. What's cool is it does take a, a kind of a village and... Uh, Angela is a personal trainer with all the things that we've talked about today. And Gina Thurston is a personal trainer that works with the larynx itself. And then I'm a vocal coach. And then I bet you have a good chiropractor in your head or uh, also physician and laryngologist. And even if you don't have these people, you know, in your contacts, even if you don't need to go to them yet, you need to know who they are because if you're in this business for very long, You're going to want one of us, not all of us.
1: (laughs) You're going to need us at some point. And you want to just say, what do I do? Where do I go? And then not do anything.
0: Right. So it's really good to keep these names of people whose work has been uh, really successful for voices and for musicians and for what we do i really believe in that like keeping the, the names in the village that have proven their worth so angela should go in yours all right thank you angela and i will definitely be keeping up with you
1: thank you so much for having me judy
0: you got it well i hope you got something you could really use from my chat with angela McEwiston. i know i did hey i'm going to ask you something i haven't in a while Please support this podcast with your rating and review, especially on iTunes or Podchaser. Thank you. See you next time on All Things Vocal, the podcast for voices
2: with messages that matter.